0: Welcome everyone to The Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Coming to you after another slate of preseason action. we got one game left to go, that's the Ravens and the Commanders tonight. So no takeaways from that one yet, but I will be updating that week two takeaways column If anything notable happens in that game, and then we'll have a chance to talk about it on Wednesday show if that's the case. But today we're here to get you caught up on all the biggest lessons that we learned over the weekend. There is no time like the present. So let's dive right in and we will start with the Giants offense, which looked very intriguing with Darren Waller out there and Saquon Barkley wasn't suiting up. So the Giants just didn't bother to call any run plays when Daniel Jones was on the field. They threw the ball every single time. The results were so positive. Jones completed eight of nine passes, 69 yards, and a touchdown, scrambled for another six yards. And the beat writers have been telling us that Darren Waller looks fantastic, that he's the focal point of the attack in practice. We've seen some clips, some highlights trickling out. Well... He drew four targets in this one. He caught three of them for 30 yards. We also saw Paris Campbell get two catches with the starting offense. That was for 18 yards. And then Isaiah Hodgins got one. Jalen Hyatt got one. So nice to see those guys getting involved too. As it stands though, you have Campbell, you have Hodgins, and you have Darius Slayton. You have those three positioned to be the starting three in three wide sets. Hyatt making a very, very strong case for himself though this preseason. The deep speed, it was on display. He adds that dangerous element to this offense. He had a 33-yard touchdown from Tyrod Taylor, not from Daniel Jones, but still great to see him out there making the safety completely miss and ending up wide open in the end zone for the score. And it remains to be seen whether the Giants wideouts are actually going to be able to emerge with enough volume to be fantasy starters potentially last year we saw that happen i expect that we're going to see at least one of them do it this year might be rotational though that definitely could be the case but i think they all deserve to be drafted at the late round price tags that they're going at it they're so cheap and if you hit on the right one you get some excellent value slayton and campbell to me are the best bets Hodgins and hyatt I think they offer quite a bit of upside for where they're going. You look at some of the other players going that far down, you might as well take a shot on these Giants guys. But Waller's the one. If he could stay healthy, he might be on the verge of returning to the elite ranks at tight end. So I think he is a must target in the sixth round for sure. Maybe even up into the fifth round. And then after being a top 10 fantasy quarterback last season, Daniel Jones, he might be right there again. Just incredible value at his current ADP. He goes as the QB 15 in the 10th round. He's got the rushing upside as well. And now with some better weapons, it's going to be great to see what he can do. Next up, Bijan Robinson looking like a difference maker already. This was his first preseason action. Anybody that watched him in college, nobody was surprised at what happened in this game, but he steps out there as a top 10 pick and we know these high end picks, these top 10, top 15 guys, these running backs can come in and make a major fantasy impact right away. Well, you have Bijan Robinson out there at 21 years old just effortlessly avoiding defenders, just so smooth, sliding between guys, picking up extra yards. That first carry immediately became a highlight was shared all over twitter x or whatever you want to call it had 26 yards from scrimmage on one drive i think that's a sign of things to come he's the third running back in my 2023 rankings and he is by far the most valuable dynasty running back at this point his teammate kyle pitts not all positive for him i mean the fact that he was out on the field that's fantastic that's what we want to see there was some Fears maybe that the recovery from the MCL injury, maybe it wasn't going well. He was kind of slowed a little bit. Some of the clips from camp didn't look the best, but he was out there this week. He took the field for nine of the 17 snaps with the Falcons' first team offense, and he ran a route on five of Desmond Ritter's 10 dropbacks. That's all according to Pro Football Focus, our buddy Nate Yonke doing just incredible work over there with all the snap counts from the preseason. Highly recommend checking that out. And normally for Pitts, We could chalk this up to well, they're easing him back, and he's coming back from an injury, and they don't want to put too much on him in the preseason. And that very well could be the case here. But if you look back to last season before he got hurt, there was some of this going on as well where he wasn't out there as much as maybe fantasy players thought he should be. So just something worth monitoring. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Let's sort through some of these backfields. The first one I want to talk about is the Dolphins. So Raheem Mostert gets the start on Saturday, super quick. 30 yards, six carries, boom, he is all over it. I think he is the back to roster there right now with Devon A-Chain being somebody that is going to come on as the season goes along. And part of that could be because Devon A-Chain got hurt in this game. He injured his shoulder. He's going to miss a week or two, potentially more. They think that he's going to be back for week one, but he was operating way down the depth chart as like the fifth running back. So he's still got some ground to make up, especially when you consider that you have Moster. You have Jeff Wilson, who the coaching staff really trusts. He's also been a little dinged up and been missing some practice. He didn't play in this game. You also have Salvin Ahmed, who was fantastic in this one. Kind of stole the show, 131 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. And we saw something similar from Miles Gaskin last week, who had a pretty good game. So Really, it's a reminder that every running back in this system is going to be able to produce the Mike McDaniel system coming from the Shanahan system. And we know running backs are going to be able to put up numbers in this situation. But with Dalvin Cook no longer sort of hanging over everything and able to come in and play spoiler at some point with him now in New York, you have the trio of Mostert and Wilson And I think eventually A-Chain, who are all worth drafting in fantasy, A-Chain's value is going to come down here now with this injury. So maybe you wait a little bit. And then you start to get him outside of the first you know, nine rounds, maybe start to get him in the late rounds. That would be much more appealing. And I give Mostert the edge over Wilson because Mostert is the speed back. He's the explosive one who's going to make these big plays. That's what he was doing last year, was able to stay healthy as well. Not so sure he's going to be able to do that for a second straight season, but we wish him all the best there. And then with Wilson, like I mentioned, the coaches love him. He's more of a grinder. He's going to get what's blocked. He's going to do everything well, but nothing outstanding, where at least most are at A-chain. They have that high-end speed. They have that game-breaking ability. So they're the guys that I'm more interested in for fantasy. But Wilson, at the value he's going at right now... He's worth stashing on your bench too, just to see how this works out. The Eagles backfield, we got an update here. So after you had week one of the preseason with Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott getting the night off this week, it was DeAndre Swift's turn to watch from the sidelines and Gainwell played over Rashad Penny in this one. He appears to be no worse than second on the depth chart. I think Swift remains the most talented back in this group. I think he should be the first one drafted just based on the potential upside. We've seen him produce before for fantasy, even in a situation with the Lions where maybe that coaching staff wasn't enamored with him and he still was getting out there and putting up top 20 fantasy stats on a per game basis. I think he could do that again here with this offense in Philly. If he ends up being the guy, which I think he's going to, it'll still be a committee, but if he ends up being the guy, he is the one with the highest fantasy ceiling. Unfortunately though, it's probably going to be a scenario where everybody is involved to some extent where Gainwell is getting some touches, especially on the red zone. They like to use him there where Penny could be a short yardage guy. So I've moved Gainwell ahead of Penny because if Swift goes down, I think gainwell is the one that would step into that role so i think he has a lot of value and potential upside if there were a swift injury on top of the fact that it just seems like depth chart wise they have him above penny there's even been talk that penny could be let go though i would be surprised if that happens at cut down day damian pierce not leaving the field for the texans this was kind of interesting because one of the things that was holding back his fantasy value was that he wasn't really used as a pass catcher last year in this game he was out there on the field for all 14 of CJ Stroud's snaps. He ran a route on 100% of those dropbacks and he didn't catch a pass. But this is why we have to look a little deeper into it. The rushing numbers were kind of muted. So maybe you look at the box score and you think, ah, Pierce didn't really do that much. Well, this is a huge development. If he is going to be a full-time player in that offense, if they are going to use him more in the passing game, then he has big-time breakout potential. He'll be moving up my ranks in the next update. The Seahawks rookies, I already have them pretty high. I might continue to move them up. They are just shining every opportunity they get. You have Jackson Smith and Jigba flashing that star power, three receptions, 58 yards. He had a 48-yarder, which it was great. He is fantastic, but I'll also shout out Drew Locke. It was a phenomenal pass by Drew Locke to just drop it right in there over the defender to JSN, who I think is going to be an outstanding NFL receiver for a long time. The only question is how high is he going to be able to rise in year one with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in the same offense? There's a chance. It is not outside the realm of possibilities that we could see JSN by the end of the season as the number one receiver in this offense. I think that is going to happen eventually. It's just a matter of when. And DK is the one who I think he does his own thing. DK has that touchdown upside. He's that big body who can bully defenders. Well, Tyler Lockett, a little bit older, we figure that JSN is going to slowly eat into his work, but all three of these guys could produce. And remember, Geno Smith is a great late round target because of this, because he has all these weapons to work with, including in the backfield, Zach Charbonnet. In a similar spot, kind of as JSN, where he's behind Kenneth Walker on the depth chart. So you wonder how much is he going to be able to carve out in his rookie season. But man, he is doing everything he can to win over this coaching staff. And Saturday, the highlight was a really well-blocked 29-yard run. Nearly turned it into a trip to the end zone. If he'd been able to keep his balance on the sidelines... I think he would have taken it to the house, but it feels like both these rookies are going to be fantasy starters at some point this season. I don't know how long that Charbonnet will be able to hold on to that. It might require a Walker injury, but I think week to week, Charbonnet is going to be able to give you flex value while still having that ceiling. If an injury were to occur or if Walker's not ready for the start of the season, though, at this point, it seems like he's going to be able to play. Javante Williams, he looks like he's going to be fine for week one. We were worried coming off of a very, very serious ACL tear. There was other complications in there as well, but his recovery has been Basically miraculous. He got to play in the second preseason game when we weren't even sure if he was going to be out there early in the season. So really, really happy for him. And in the first game back here, the stats aren't crazy. Ran three times for 12 yards, got four passes for 18 yards, which maybe is kind of important. That might be kind of encouraging that he was involved that much in the passing game because they brought in Samajay Pirine there and you figured that Pirine would be the guy to handle most of that work. But as I mentioned in that bus column this year, Pirine is going to have a role in this backfield. That's what the coaching staff has talked about. That's what the beat writers have all predicted. And that was the case on Saturday with Pirine playing 48% of the snaps. I'm pretty sure Williams was around 56%, but Pirine featured heavily on third downs, even though we did see Williams get all those catches. Ryan was out there a lot in passing situations, so we're going to have to continue to monitor this one. Williams still carries plenty of fantasy risk, even though all these reports are so positive about his recovery. Next up, the Chiefs wide receivers. I think you got to roll the dice on all of these guys at their current value. You're not going to draft them all in the same draft. You're not even going to draft, you know, multiple guys in the same draft necessarily. But at least get one of them on your roster and try to get the guy who's going to break out. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, don't be fooled. He's out there a lot. He runs the most routes, but he lacks that fantasy upside. Sky Moore is the one that I'm really targeting and his price has gone up and up and up. But he appears to be creating a little bit of separation from the rest of the pack and he's my highest ranked guy in that wide receiver core after that we're dealing with what i think is going to be a pretty heavy rotation and you could see any of them emerge so you have rookie rasheed rice who has absolutely been the part in the opportunities that he's gotten he finished in this game i mean eight catches 94 yards And in practice too, we've seen a lot of highlights coming out. Patrick Mahomes finding him, especially around the end zone. Then you have the injured guy, Kadarius Toney, who should be back early in the season. He could have a significant fantasy ceiling if he can stay healthy for a long enough stretch, which we're starting to doubt at this point. And then there's also longer shots like Justin Ross and Richie James. You can consider them as well. But the bottom line for me, keep drafting them at their current ADP, getting pieces attached to Patrick Mahomes never a bad thing heading over to Pittsburgh Jalen Warren making a strong case for more playing time in that backfield only played two snaps in this game with the starters made his presence felt though a 62 yard touchdown run and one preseason highlight shouldn't move a player's fantasy value but the drumbeat around Warren it's been steady throughout the offseason he's going to be a weekly fantasy flex option with the potential for so much more if Najee Harris struggles which we've seen happen at times in the past or if Najee gets injured at some point. Keontae Ingram, another backfield update here, this one in Arizona. He is back. He has missed some time, had an injury, returned though, recorded 48 yards from scrimmage and a score on nine touches. More importantly though, he was serving as the clear number two back behind James Conner and that role could be especially valuable given Conner's age and the previous durability issues that everybody loves bringing up. So keep Ingram in mind as a really key late-round selection in fantasy drafts, someone that people are forgetting about a little bit. Tajay Spears, he keeps standing out in Tennessee, and you have Derrick Henry there. He is the star of that offensive attack. It's going to be hard for the Titans to keep Spears off the field this year. The third rounder has earned a ton of praise in offseason practices and really translated that to a very strong preseason so far, including 60 yards that he posted on Saturday. He's now got 96 yards from scrimmage and a score on 15 touches over these first two preseason outings. And if the 29-year-old Derrick Henry breaks down at any point, Spears could be another one of these players who could swing fantasy leagues. Make sure you're looking for him deep down in your drafts. Tank Bigsby on the Jaguars. Really could say a lot of the same things here. He got a significant workload in the second preseason outing, earned 14 touches, had 68 yards on that, despite he had one reception that went for minus two yards. So that brought him back a little bit there. But it's great to see him run 10 routes. That was something that he wasn't asked to do a week ago. And while he's definitely on that list where he could be another one of these fantasy flex plays right out of the gate, his real value would only be unlocked if Travis Etienne misses time. So in that situation, Bigsby, another one of these weak winning upside kind of guys, potentially league winners and keep that in mind. I mean, there is a bunch of them that you can get from round nine to round 12 or 13. There's a nice pocket where you can load up on those guys and stash them on your bench. Dalton Kincaid, we can jump off of running backs. Finally, we talked about enough of them. We'll go to another rookie though. Dalton Kincaid, the tight end for the Bills. So we had Dawson Knox sitting out with a finger injury and his role in the Bills offense in terms of Knox it might not have that much of an impact on Dalton Kincaid's rise to prominence in this passing attack because they're almost playing two different positions. And you had Kincaid out there this week, was a near full-time player, played with the starting unit, caught one pass from Josh Allen, finished the day with three catches, 45 yards. And if you're going with a late round tight end, You want to have someone that has significant upside. And I know he's a rookie. I know what people have said about rookie tight ends before. Heck, I've said it before, but we've seen in the last few years that these rookie tight ends are coming in and actually producing. And I think Kincaid is a big time talent. I think he should be at the top of your late round tight end list. And if it doesn't work out where you're getting him in the 10th, 11th round, then great. You just head to the waiver wire and you pick up another tight end and you start to stream and you could probably make up a Frankenstein low end tight end one that way, but you'll want Kincaid because of what he could do. If everything comes together, maybe he does get up there into the top six, top seven. Jonathan Mingo he is going to be a factor as a rookie I've said this throughout the offseason some people question why I had him so high in my rookie rankings as a late first round pick well he's getting starter snaps already in both preseason games he was out there as a starter in three wide sets he appears to be behind DJ Chark and Adam Thielen when the team goes to two tight end sets but Mingo has the highest ceiling of that trio and if he's already out there as a starter that shows the team trusts him Terrace Marshall has been hurt he's kind of fallen back a Little bit. So you have Mingo at 22 years old. I think we're going to see his target share grow as the year goes along. And the chemistry that he has with Bryce Young, that's going to continue to develop too. They're going to learn together in their first year. I think Mingo is a very intriguing late round stash if you're into late round receivers, which I don't do that often, but Mingo is an exception to that rule. Lots of other items in the article that I wrote going back on all the takeaways. I'm not going to go over everything here. I'll mention a few names, just some other preseason standouts who caught my eye. So uh, Drake London on the Falcons, he had a great game. Uh, the Texans wide receiver, Nico Collins, who continues to emerge as potentially the number one in that offense, a uh, Bears running back, Roshan Johnson. He's very intriguing in the late rounds because He's one of the rare players who could actually win the starting job outright along the way, and wouldn't necessarily need an injury to happen to do it. And then some quarterbacks: Brock Purdy. The fact that he got out there this week after the injury and the surgery in the off season. He got out there, looked like he didn't miss a beat from what he did last year, so he is somebody that has sneaky fantasy value, somebody that put up low-end QB1 numbers last season during his starts. And then Kenny Pickett for the Steelers. We talk about the Steelers a lot, and George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. We talked about the backfield earlier. It all comes down to whether he is going to be able to make that leap in his second season. And right now, all signs are pointing towards that potentially happening. So that would be great for the Steelers. It would also be great for fantasy managers. And that is all for today's show. Make sure you're checking out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit every single day. It is constantly getting updated with new information, new articles. I will have a full refresh of the rankings in there on Tuesday after everything we learned this week. And you can see it all for free, over at the score, download the app. If you haven't already, you could also follow me on X or Twitter. I'm at Justin Boone over there, and I'll be back with a couple more shows this week. But until then, big thanks to Theo Vaughn. I got to see him live this weekend and I've been on a heck of a streak seeing some big name comedians this year, Dave Chappelle and Nate Bargatze and Bert Kreischer and Jimmy Carr. I got Tom Segura tickets coming up. So make it up for lost time. You know, the pandemic kind of put live shows on pause for a year too, but uh, big thanks to Theo Vaughn for a very funny night over the weekend and as always big thanks to all of you for listening and we will see you next time said leave on time my baby said leave on time leave on time with me tonight i said leave on time